Ladies and gentlemen, Poor People's Campaign, Moral March, Saturday, June 18th, Moral March on Washington, March to the Polls. We've been hearing from a number of people over the months and weeks about why they're involved in the Poor People's Campaign. We'll hear from one other such person and pretty much give him an opportunity to make one of the closing arguments as to why we should be involved Saturday at the Moral March on Washington, why we should be involved in the Poor People's Campaign itself. We're happy now to have joined us here on Make It Plain, our brother Oscar Sanchez. Oscar, how are you? Welcome to Make It Plain, buddy. Thank you so much. Feeling blessed, feeling honored and humbled to be here with everybody. Um, and overall, you know, looking forward to, you know, this change. I think that's what we're always looking forward to is, you know, aspiring hearts, inspiring hearts and just being among people who want to have a difference in life. And what I mean by that is that we all are deserving of a better way of living. And one way of living that just because we're poor doesn't mean we're treated poorly. And that's something I've always said. Um, and I was inspired to say these words, having been speaking um, at a conference of the, the Poor People's Campaign. So I always want to make sure I emphasize that. No, appreciate that. Now, tell us a little bit about your organization and the work it does. Definitely. So I currently work for the Southeast Environmental Task Force here in the Southeast side of Chicago. I'm the community planning manager. And what we really talk about and we look at having this lens is that we are looking for life. We are looking to have revitalization in our communities. And a lot of the times it looks like you know, how do we include art and culture? How do we include development? How do we include all these different aspects by having an environmental lens to it? But also if our environmental lens, you want to have a health lens and an equity lens. And how we pursue this is our mission is literally to look at opportunities and advocate for having healthier, vibrant communities through environmental justice. And through environmental justice is being very much adamant of saying there is environmental racism and looking at the, even adjusting the root cause of this, looking at there is racism and classism and looking at how capitalism is looking to continue to oppress us. And we're not being negligent of that at all. And it's very explicit with how we conduct things. We want to be holistic and restorative. What is the relationship? Very important what you're doing. What is the relationship between because I, I like people to understand poverty touches everything, everything we're dealing with. And we're hit besieged with it. gun violence, insurrection, uh, it, everything in the news. There's something of crisis, voter suppression. But poverty on the Venn diagram overlaps all of these things. So from your point of view, tell us how poverty impacts environmental racism or how environmental racism impacts poverty. Let's and I think that's great. I think let's talk about. Whenever I talk about environmental racism, people ask, well, how does this exist? I don't I don't witness this. I don't see this. So let's take this back. Right. And I even want to talk about like the Chicago heat waves happening right today. But let's take it back to the 1930s, specifically the 1938 map. Right. They they created this housing policy map to see where, you know, what is the most valuable land in Chicago and what's the least valuable land in Chicago. And the least valuable land were where the individuals who were the most poor lived in. And the individuals who were most poor in this time were black and brown folks. You also have white folks included in these, kind of these, in, in these areas as well. That land was sold to uh, pennies 
to industry. So you see how the how from from a long time the city planned to make all these communities didn't care for us. So they made them full of industry. And we see this clear connection of how they built the infrastructure there. And now what we say, you know, decades later is like, oh, well, the infrastructure is there. We're just going to keep making it more impoverished because it's, it benefits us to keep implementing these things. And when it comes to today, we see when it comes to this heat map in Chicago, the community is most affected by it. And looking at it, a very cumulative lens, the most environmentally burdened communities are the ones impacted by the heat waves the most. The communities that are closest to industry are the ones impacted by the heat wave the most. Communities of color, poor individuals are impacted the most. And this is the one point that I talked about the other day. It costs to be poor because when you're in these communities that are impacted by the heat wave the most, you're looking at the buildings that are the oldest in Chicago and the older houses in Chicago, they're more likely to have lead pipelines. And Chicago is a problem with lead pipelines. We have over 400,000. So you have one, we're dealing with a water crisis and we know water is meant for us to live, but we can't even survive a heat wave because we have lead pipes. And these older housing as well, they have different types of energy supply, right? If you want AC, the energy cost for us is higher. We have higher energy consumption, higher energy cost, and higher energy burden. So people have to pick saying, oh, do I want a higher bill or am I going to tolerate this heat for this week or for this day? It costs to be poor. And even going back the day before, we were here with a terrible storm here in Chicago. We had a tornado warning. We're here at the corner of a tornado valley and the community where I live in South Chicago and communities neighboring it, um, South Shore, um, we have way of water pumps working 24 seven all the time because of flooding issues here in the community. So then you have this storm, there's power outages, there's flooding, and the next days are heat wave. And it's crisis on top of crisis on top of crisis. And it bills on top of bills on top of bills. And there's a heat wave. And then people are like, hey, well, I'm, I'm going to stay home. I'm working remotely. It's a pandemic. I'm safe. All the food that's delivered to your home, all the foods that's delivered to these markets, all the people working at grocery stores, all the people working. There are people commuting to cooling shelters. There are people commuting to work. There are people commuting to school. And we have to think, how does this affect us? It is our livelihood. It is our workforce. It costs to be poor. And we need solutions towards this days before. Because one thing when it comes to us, we have to understand about being poor is our safety nets aren't meant to save us. Our safety nets are literally thin lines of wool that only hold so much. And there's many of us. And that's why I'm really excited about this march going on because it really gets to show how many people are desiring change, but understand that they're deserving of change because we see all these different tragedies hitting our poor communities. And we have to be explicit. A lot of poor communities, they are white individuals. They are black individuals. They are blind individuals. All poverty, we can really look at how a nation is rich by how many poor individuals there are because the more times we exploit individuals, the more there are more rich individuals. You are a General Iron campaign member? Yes. What, what, tell us about that. So General Iron is a prime example. I think it's going to go down in history as, you know, one example, many of the different examples here in Chicago, environmental racism. Um, General Iron is a metal shredding company um, that, you know, was operating in the north side of Chicago in Lincoln Park. And the city, you know, the whole process is very, you know, 
elitist and, and racist is that Lincoln Park was zoned as an industrial corridor and it was it was zoned as a community that in need. Right. But it's it improved so much over the years. So back in Rahm Emanuel's time, he said, well, I want to develop Lincoln Park. It looks like it's developing and looks like it's getting, you know, higher forms of income. Individuals are moving there. It's, you know, prospering community. And there's something called TIF funding. So it's taxpayers money that go to develop infrastructure and communities of need. Lincoln Park, for no reason, received, well, for no reason, for no adequate reason under those guidelines, received TIF funding, over $1.6 billion of subsidies and TIF funding to continue developing it. So this is during mom's administration. And now during Lori's administration, they've pulled and continued saying they're going to move that metal shredding company to the southeast side of Chicago. And they said this because this is the third time they tried push, putting a company here in our community. We have over 70 different operations, 70 different industrial operations happening here at the Cayman River. This is where the southeast side is located. And it's a clear example of how when the, the, the north side doesn't want anything, when the city of Chicago wants to change their developments for one community, was an affluent white community, was an affluent high income community, and, chain, and, and put those plans in the southeast side. And they want to develop that community. Again, they gave them one over $1.6 billion in subsidies. And for us, we were receiving a manor shutting company across the street from a high school, across the street from a public park, across the street from an elementary school, across the street from residential housing. That's how the city uses us. And we've always been advocating that we've been a sacrifice zone for too long. And many of our communities are. Many of our poor communities are sacrifice zones to continue to be exploited. So General Iron... A lot of communities came up, we were angry, and we protested in different forms. We went to the, our local representative, um, we went to the mayor's home, we went to Chicago, Public, uh, to Chicago uh, Department of Public Health, we went to the, um, the head commissioner, the head director was home, uh, we participated in a hunger strike. We, we've done so much in this buildup because we were willing to put our life on the line because we value our life so much. And that's the ironic part to this, the high do we have to do this? And personally, I don't want folks doing this ever again. I want us to be able to form power for us to not make these decisions to put our life on the line this way that is abusing of ourselves. But we did it and we're happy to say that, you know, we won. We put the mayor in a, in a position to deny the permits from doing community of impact ordinance. And now from, from that work of doing community of impact studies, where it studies, you know, the race, it studies the jobs, it studies how much already environmental burdens there are in a community before something is permitted to go there. So we're working on, uh, on a coalition right now, um, citywide with folks from the Chicago Environmental Justice Network uh, to build out this co coalition and really make it something strong for us to not have to be at the forefront of this anymore, for us to have protections because that's why I think many individuals are tired is that it's endless fighting. We need protections and we need restorative work on this now. Yeah, you know, and it shows the power of, of people working together to, to, to bring influence, just people being organized. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit make these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Superlight Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The eucalyptus fiber upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Superlight Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Superlight shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And, because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. You were part of a, what, a 30-day hunger strike too? So I was one of the, yeah. Um, we, so myself, uh, myself, uh, Brianna Bertacci, um, Chuck Stark, we started this hunger strike and we participated in this hunger strike for 30 days, but there are many individuals that joined us. Um, you know, we had uh, Marissa Ramos, Jay Mazzone, Yesenia Chavez, folks that came, you know, days after us. And, you know, we kept growing and many people participated in a one-day hunger strike. But we did a, a 30-day hunger strike, and, and it's, you know, for me, it, it's it's always sad, sad to talk about this, right? The North side didn't have to do a hunger strike to get this community, this, this company out. The North side didn't even have to finish their studies, right? And I am, I am not angry towards those community members. I'm angry at the city at how they prioritize those community members over us. And I think that's something that we have to very much distinguish. And we did went on a hunger strike for 30 days. Uh, when I told my mom about this, she laughed. She's like, you eat every three hours. You eat three every three hours on the dot. Uh, how are you going to do this? And I said, I don't know. I'm like, I don't know. But I'm doing this because I think you're deserving of this, mom. And I told my dad the same thing. Um, but we had a rule. We would not tell my grandmother. So, <laughs> we didn't say my gra- so I come from a, from a, a Latin American background, a, a Mexican, um, and you know I think in any minority co- like culture, right? Like your grandmother always wants to feed you, abuela always wants to feed you, um, and I think that's, everybody's uh, grandmother in and of color. If you come a, from a culture of color, <laughs> then your grandmother wants to feed you. Amen. Go right <laughs> That's real, and I think that's something we didn't tell. I didn't visit her. Um, it was still, big. I know, I mean, I think we have to emphasize, we did this hunger strike during a pandemic. Um, 
I know something very brutal. Um, I think it was something really hard on our on our health, something really hard on our mental health. Um, there are still, you know, some things that affected me like, you know, months later, I'm still recovering. Um, but we did this for 30 days and, you know, we did this and we were empowered by our community. Our community was there supporting us, loving us. A lot of local high school and local schools were sending us letters. And, you know, at the end of this, we, we couldn't have done this without our community. I wish I could, could name everybody, but, you know, it's it was all of us. It was a Southeast Parents Task Force. It was a Southeast Youth Alliance. It was Alliance to the Southeast. The Social Justice Collective, you know, our neighbors of the 10th Ward. You know, there's so many organizations that are part of this coalition um, and so many allies we had and so many community members that this took, this was, this is not only one for the Southeast side, but a win for the city and even at a national level that we have to start prioritizing our lives. You know, we don't deserve, you know, we don't deserve what the city plans for us. We should have what we plan for our community. We should be the decision makers in that. No, you're, you're absolutely right. You talked earlier about poverty and standing up. And I've talked to others about this as well. And, and I know um, you, you've you also uh, described yourself as, as a proponent of, of love um, and the need for love. But, but, but let, well, let's start there. T- tell us about that. And, and how love enters into this for you. Because you sound when you say that, you sound like Dr. King. Are you like Dr. King? I love Dr. King. I think one of my favorite quotes, I mean, I think everybody quotes this, right? But I feel like he, he, it's always like, it's always stating that, right? Like, and an injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And I think that's a, something many people use, but I feel like we don't emphasize this, right? Um, but for me, love, love is transformational. I think once we, we really have a love, a restorative love, a love where I ask you, I have to ask you what I have to learn and, and talk to you before I even ask anything of you. A love that wants to learn from you, a love that wants to learn of who you are. Love in which, you know, it's not about my ego, it's about making sure the needs of the people are met. And for me, doing this work, you know, I've asked myself, coming someone, somebody coming from a, a family of faith, um, what does love mean, right? What does love mean? And I think about, you know, the word agape, this, this word that means to give yourself entirely to somebody. And if I'm here telling my friends that I love them, if I tell my friends, if I tell my black friends that I love them, or if I tell my indigenous friends that I love them, or I, love my, I tell my white friends that I love them, I have to speak truth. And I have to advocate for truth. And it's about advocating for what is not best for them, but just having a dialogue of what these next things look like. When it comes to my friends that are that are like black uh, that are black, it's it's saying like, how can I make sure that I talk about things that they want to envision in the community? It's about saying what is what is what systems are harming them, right? And a lot of the systems that harm black folks are the same systems that harm indigenous folks, and those same systems sometimes are the systems that empower white individuals. And it's having a conversation of truth, you know, having a conversation of privilege, a, a conversation of of power. And for me, love is transformational because I always, I always say this when we start conversation, like we have to give each other grace, right? I don't know what I don't know. If I say something, please correct me. Um, I'm wanting to understand more, but I also wanted to let you know that I'm here to be, to be an advocate for you as well, an ally. I'm not here to correct anything. I'm here to just learn. And I think that's what love is. Love is learning what is harming others, but also learning to see what is empowering folks. And again, looking at the systems which harm and looking at creating systems that 
that, rejuvenate. You mentioned poverty earlier. The other challenge is poverty, Oscar, is so stereotyped and used so much as a pejorative. Isn't part of the problem in this struggle in this movement and really getting people more involved is that maybe more of us need to acknowledge uh, and get over the shame. I'm impoverished. I'm willing to bet even some of the people you talked about in the communities you described don't go out every day and say, well, you know, I'm poor. I live in poverty because that's not something that people want to say or want to announce. And we live in a country where that is frowned upon. And is a source of ridicule. You'll even be ridiculed by other poor people who pretended not to be poor. <laughs> if you yeah. say you poor. So talk, talk to us about that. And how do we create, you know, in this process building up this, how do we create an environment? You know, we look at, at other challenges people have. Um, that some might even see as worse. But people come out and say, you know, this is what I am. And I'm trying to pe- people go. uh, uh um and announce, you know, they're recovering from something, trauma or addiction. And there's something salvific and redemptive about doing that. Um, We shouldn't have to be more ashamed to say that we're impoverished, something we didn't cause, right? Something that has nothing to do with our makeup. We shouldn't feel more ashamed to say that than some of us who are more willing to admit, yeah, I've, I've been addicted or I've been in jail or I've committed a crime. So talk to us, if, if you would, about that. Am I, am I making any sense? Yeah. So for me, I think it's like, let's look at where we live. Where we live in the U.S., we live in a nation who their powerhouse is capitalism. So everything that harms capitalism is something that we that, that's weaponized and, and can be something that's something seen as something, you know, um, very harmful to that structure. And for them, what, what they see is that one of the, one of the most important things for me is that a, a person that has nothing to lose will fight with everything. And I think the most, the most incredible individuals are individuals who are impoverished. And I think that has to say, because their eyes are, are set on surviving and their eyes are, have been conditioned to say, I need to just get through this one more day. I need to take care of my family. And that's the thing that happens when it comes to these daily struggles. My your People's daily struggles aren't fighting capitalism. It is surviving in capitalism. And when it comes to a lot of these systems, and when I talk to individuals, it's it's always this. They're like, oh, you know, this poor person, you know, they're, they're, t- they're, they're taking from the system. It's making it harder for all of us. My tax money is going to them. Um, and I always ask folks, I'm like, are you as angry at, at poor individuals than rich individuals who take from the same taxes that you you that you're giving to? I'm like, why do you hate poor individuals more than you hate rich individuals? Why do you hate poor individuals more when at one point you were poor as well? Do you hate the the, the do you hate the the structure of poverty or do you hate the people? Because there's a difference. Because and I think that's always what I take from the poor people's campaign. We have to fight poverty, not the poor. I think that's something that many individuals kind of always um, they they describe as a noun, you know, the poor, right? And I think that's something where we have to it, it works as, a, as as an identifier, but we have to step away and say, what is the root issue of poverty? It's not people; it's the system. 
So why don't we fight the system? Right. I always talk about folks. Folks talk about it's embarrassing to say you have food stamps. It's embarrassing to say you have link. It's embarrassing. Why is it embarrassing? And the things I always I mention is if we want to talk about, you know, I don't I don't care. Personally, I would say I don't care about theft, you know, and people can take this out of context. What I'm saying is that if someone's stealing to provide for their needs at a grocery store, think about what amount of conditioning they have to have gone through to say this is okay. We can say it's morally wrong, but for them, they're providing a need to their family. And then it's even asking that individual, if what have you been given to be be out of poverty? And I talk about these environmental issues, those energy bills, those water bills, all these bills. If you tell one person, if you don't have one paycheck in one month, or if you don't get a paycheck in two months, say something happens, how close are you to poverty? And if how close you are to poverty, why aren't you developing, why aren't you advocating for these systems to make sure no one is poor? You're closer to poverty than you are to the rich. So why do you defend the rich? Oscar Sanchez, Oscar, um, I'll give you the last word. Make the closing argument for people to participate this Saturday in Moral March on Washington. My argument, I'm saying an argument, it's saying, it's saying this, and I always say this in every room. If you if you want to come, if you if you have the ability and you are able to be safe during this time, come. And I say come if you are you believe you're deserving of change. And I believe you're deserving of change. I believe you are deserving of community that you know won't question you being there, won't question you existing. And not only won't, won't question, but embrace you. And I think that's what we're trying to change is creating the communities that we deserve. And I believe you're deserving of these. If you believe others are deserving, come. Because with the Poor People's Campaign, everyone is welcomed. Everyone is loved. Everyone is embraced. There is accountability. There is restorative justice. And my brothers, my sisters, my siblings, my family, I say this. You're deserving. I appreciate you. I love you. And we are only going to do this together. So come and join us. Do you have that one piece of clothing you keep going back to no matter how full your closet is? Having a versatile, high-quality favorite feels great. But having a whole closet of them feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything you need for your spring days. From premium t-shirts and jeans to lightweight French terry joggers and their legendary best hoodie ever. Whether you're dressing for work, the gym, or happy hour, you're sure to find your next closet go-to from American Giant. And it's all made in America and designed to last a lifetime. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's American-Giant.com, code staple two zero. Oscar Sanchez, part of the Poor People's Campaign, folks, SE Task Force dot org. And of course, uh, let's get ready. Washington, D.C., Saturday, June 18th, Moral March on Washington, Mass Poor People's and Low Wage Workers Assembly. Thank you, Oscar. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. As always, perform an act of kindness on behalf of an elder or young person. Write a letter to a sister brother who just so happens to find her or himself incarcerated. 
offer libations to the ancestors upon whose sturdy shoulders we all now stand, and above all, give thanks to the God of your understanding by whatever name you call her and him. All God asks of us is that we give each other love. Thanks for giving MIP love, and please remember to subscribe and give us a five-star rating. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain.